Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I want to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes, repeat this prayer after me. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to warn you up front, those watching online, listening to this podcast, you better came and put on your big boy pants and your big girl pants today. You've been warned. This passage of scripture that I just read, this is referred to as the Shema. This is considered the most essential declaration of the Jewish faith. It details exactly how our faith is supposed to be lived out. A couple things that are going to be interwoven through this message that I want you to have understood. The first is this, that it is possible to know the truth, have it in your head, have it in your heart, but still be deceived and believe the lies of the enemy. So you got to understand that one. But then in addition, know that there is a battle that is constantly waging that you cannot see. That if all of a sudden your eyes were opened and you could see a battle in the heavenlies, you would recognize that there is a battle going on, a war waging over your life every second of every day. And that battle has two parts. The first part is the battle for your soul. You see, just as there is a God in heaven who loves you, who wants to spend an eternity in a relationship with you, There is an enemy of your soul who is hell-bent on keeping you from spending an eternity with Jesus. I have this growth group that I do on Sunday nights, and we don't have any agenda. We get together, we hang out, chat, and it always leads to a spiritual conversation. And this last week, one of the guys said, I'd love to hear everyone's story. So... People started sharing their faith journey. It's probably 10, 12 guys there. And not one of our stories was the same. And it was, we had one thing in common. It was all a journey for every single one of us. I pointed it out to the guys. I was like, do you realize all the radical circumstances and providential situations that had to fall into place so that we would all be eating dinner here tonight? It's like crazy. 
and every single story had this element to it. If I would have made this decision different, everything would have been different. Why? Because there is a battle for your soul. But once you make a commitment to Jesus and make him Lord of your life, you've decided that battle and then the next battle wages. And that is a battle for your worship. And the enemy spends the rest of his time trying to get you from completely worshiping Jesus. He wants you to hold pieces back, elements back. He wants your worship to be incomplete. To someone of the Jewish faith, this Shema, Shema, they would recite twice a day. They'd recite it right when they get up, and they would recite it when they went to sleep. It was this daily affirmation of their love for God, this daily reminder of their love for God. When they would recite it, they would cover their eyes because they didn't want to be distracted. As they said, I need to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. They were to have it memorized. It was to be written on the tablet of their heart. There was to be no distraction. The Shema is so important that on Yom Kippur, which of all the holy days and all the festivals that are celebrated in the Jewish culture, Yom Kippur is the holiest of all the holy days. And at the climax of Yom Kippur, they cover their eyes and they recite the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The Shema is so important that Jesus was cornered by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were trying to trip him up. By the time Jesus walked the earth, we'd gone from 10 commandments, believe it or not, to 613 commandments. Most of you have trouble following two things. Imagine 613. So they looked at Jesus and they were trying to trip him up, trying to get him to say something that they could prove that he was a heretic. And so they said, of all the commandments, of all 613, which one is the most important? And Jesus, without missing a beat, sums it up by saying, if you only do one thing right, follower of Jesus, if you only do one thing right, you cannot get this one wrong. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You see, to a Jewish believer, the Shema is God's promise to his people. It's this constant reminder. Now, this promise is one of those if-then promises in Scripture. Do you know the Bible's full of them? It's these promises that if you and I do this, then God will do this. We live in America. We don't like if-then promises. We don't like anything conditional. The Bible's full of them. 
I hate to say it, but it is. We think we should be able to live however we want and constantly be blessed anyways. That's the way we roll. But this if-them promise of the Shema reminds them that if Israel obeys the Lord, then they'll conquer their enemies. If Israel obeys the Lord, then they will possess their land. If Israel obeys the Lord, then God will multiply them in their land and they will enjoy a long life in God's place of blessing. What's interesting about love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, there's other translations that don't use the word soul, they use the word mind. So the same Hebrew word that it can be translated soul can also be translated mind. It's also interesting that some translations don't use the word strength, they use the word might. So the same Hebrew word that can be translated as might is also translated as strength. Regardless, Jesus emphasized if you only do one thing right, if you do everything else wrong, get this one thing right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul. Two battles, one for your soul, one for your worship. Jesus was basically saying, and the Shema is basically describing worship. That's what it's describing. You see, there, when you decide that Jesus is Lord of my life, that battle has been decided. But from that moment forward, there is a battle for your worship. And most of us, we don't realize that we have been worshiping Jesus incompletely. You see, the Shema describes the three elements of worship. I would argue that if you are absent one of those, your worship is incomplete. That the enemy is trying to get you to inadequately worship Jesus. If you're lacking one of these elements of worship, your worship fails. It is incomplete. And absent any part of what the Shema and Jesus describe as worship is incomplete. In other words, you're not doing it correctly. And it is the one thing that you and I need to do right. Remember, you can know it in your head and you can know it in your heart and the enemy can still lie to you and you can believe his lies. So remember that. Let's break it down. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. What does that mean? Well, in the original Hebrew, it's tied to your emotions. When you love God, you should love him with all your happiness and all your gratitude. You should sing, you should dance, you should shout. David said in Psalms, he said, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Listen to this, burst into jubilant song with music. Of all of our hour and 10 minute worship services that take place during a week, there's only 17 minutes of it that is actually for Jesus. The rest of it's for you. The rest of it is so you can grow. 
The rest of it is so you can learn. The rest of it is so you can be informed of different things that are taking place. But there's that 17 minutes during the service where we worship that our eyes are supposed to be off of ourselves and onto the one that saved us. But some of us, we don't get what it means to worship God with all our heart. Because we say things like, well, I'm just reserved. My arms are folded and I'm not singing, but I'm bursting in my heart. <laughs> Pastor Brandon, we live in Western Washington. I'm an engineer. Church is full of engineers, software engineers, software developers, uh, accountants, lawyers, all the... We're professionals. We're not expressive. We're not demonstrative. Feel like I'd be faking it if I did that. All I know is the Bible describes bursting with joyous song. What does it mean? It means when we sing songs like, pop up the words to the song. Shout Jesus in the mountains. Jesus in the streets. <laughs> you know, when, the, the song that we ended worship with, it literally says, his stripes, my healing. His cross, my freedom. How can you say words like that, understand them in your head and in your heart and be chill about it? You should be bursting. You should all be woo girls. I'm dead serious. If you believe the words, how can you be quiet? How can you not explode? Because my family is healed. My kids are healed. My marriage is healed. My finances are healed. Not because of anything that I did, but because he went to the cross bursting. But Brandon, I'm, a, I'm an accountant. I'm conservative, I'm laid back, I'm an introvert, I'm not demonstrative. There's a great story in 2 Samuel. Uh, I'm not going to have you turn there. The verses can pop up, but I'll just tell you the story. Israel had just had this huge victory against the Philistines. Honestly, they should have lost. They were outnumbered, they were outmanned. The Philistines had a more intense army. They should have lost, but God gave them a victory. And as would always happen, and you've seen movies where you've watched these victory parades in the olden days. You know, the king uh, walks out of his palace and he stands there with his queen and his kids and with all the pomp and circumstances, he very professionally, very proudly nods at the people as they do this parade, singing professional, coming in, celebrating what God has done or what victory they've just experienced. 
Well, this is what happened that day. The Israelites had won this massive victory and it describes that David was wearing a linen ephod and he was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. Like David was going crazy with excitement. And his wife peered out the window of their palace and saw him. And the Bible says that his wife despised him in her heart. You know what she was thinking? She was thinking, this is not appropriate. This is not kingly. This is not engineerly. This is not accountantly. This is not professional. That is inappropriate for a king. That eventually leads to a confrontation that David has with her. And he says, when it comes to celebrating and it comes to praising and it comes to honoring God, I'll be even more undignified than this. And then later David writes those words where he said, sometimes you're bursting with joyous praise. Worship with all your heart means that 17 minutes when this team is up here trying to pull you into worship, you should just let go. You shouldn't worry about who's sitting around. You shouldn't worry about, ooh, there's that person there that I'm trying to close this deal with. Ooh, that person there is a client of mine. That person there I work with. That person there is my buddy. That guy over there, I just got in a fight with him. You shouldn't worry about any of that because you have the rest of your week to worry about all that. But you have 17 minutes to burst. Just to say... Go to the song again. You got 17 minutes to shout Jesus in the mountains. Jesus in the streets. I, I, I'm going to read this. Your name is power. Your name is healing. How can you be mellow when you sing this stuff? Your name is life. Break every stronghold shine through the shadows burn like a fire i just want to speak the name of jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression i speak jesus somebody how can you not burst Love the Lord your God with all your heart. But did you know that's not enough? If all you do is go crazy during worship, you still have incomplete worship if you're missing the other two. Every single day, twice a day, they would recite the Shema and they would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love the Lord your God with all your soul with all your mind. So what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your soul? What does it mean to love him with all your mind? If you look up that word, it actually refers to your trust. He's asking for your trust. He's asking for your sincerity. Remember, it is possible to know the truth up here and know it in here and still be influenced by the lies of the enemy. You see, 
Worshiping God with all your mind and with all your soul is you saying, I'm not going to rely on my own understanding. I am not going to do what just makes sense to me. When we live in this thing where I, I can't do anything unless I understand it, I can't do anything unless it makes sense to me, we let the eye, lies of the enemy run rampant in your life. I would argue that this is referring to giving. By the way, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna disagree with me. You're gonna leave. You're gonna start Googling it. And then you are going to discover Pastor Brandon actually did his research. <laughs> this is referring to your giving. I don't think there is another point in our entire walk with Jesus where we demonstrate our trust for him more than when we release our giving because it doesn't make sense. We do not understand it. So when we give, it is us saying, Lord, I, I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my security. I lay it at your feet. I think just as that singing, shouting, dancing is super important in the service. I also think God is overwhelmed with our giving and worship. Last week, spontaneously, we take an offering. I told you guys I'd tell you the amount. If you don't follow me on social media, here's the official announcement. I say, we're going to take an offering for these wildfires in Maui. And I, I ahead of time thought, middle of the summer, it'll be a miracle if we raise 10 grand. That was my goal, $10,000. And we'd have celebrated it and gone crazy. Two days later, I get a phone call from our bookkeeper. And she's like, Pastor Brandon, it's a miracle. With everything that's been promised and everything that's come in, we're going to give close to $25,000. When you did that, here's what you said to Jesus. You said, Lord, I feel helpless. I don't know what to do, but I just trust that you've got it figured out. Here's, here's how I show you that I trust you. I just give, I give generously. And that is God, your opportunity to say, Lord, I, I release that. And that is so much worship to Jesus. It honors him. But giving is the one thing that when the preacher talks about giving, you can know it in your head and know it in your heart, but the enemy's voice is really loud. And I hear it all the time. I hear people say things like this one. Well, I don't give because I don't know where the money goes. First off, ask Pastor Alex, ask Heather, and they'll tell you, fine, if you really care. But I'd argue, why do you care? I thought you gave it. I haven't had, I, I just announced how much was given. I didn't get any phone calls this week. People saying, I want proof that all that money went to Maui. Now one person did it. We just celebrated the fact that it was given. Because there's trust. You see, here's the thing. People that you donate money to should be responsible with that money. Absolutely. But it is not 
mine and your responsibility what they do with the resources we release. Our responsibility is to give and give generously. That is our act of worship. We have to wrestle through the fact that it doesn't make sense financially. We don't completely understand, but it's us saying, Jesus, everything I have, you gave to me, and I will give this to you willingly, and I will step back, and I just trust. And here's the deal. If those resources that you have given generously are being used inappropriately, you don't think God is going to deal with those people? I mean, that is supposed to be an act of worship to him. And when somebody abuses an act of worship to him, God will deal with it. But the enemy is going to lie to you. He's going to say, don't give them because you don't trust them. Well, you were never giving to begin with. You were never giving as an act of worship. You were giving with an element of control. Here's another one that people love to tell me. They love to say this one. Well, Pastor Brandon, I give, but I give to a nonprofit. I don't have any problem with you giving to a nonprofit. Go for it. I just know the Bible is really clear that your tithe goes to the storehouse. I tell everybody, there's two things that we do not argue about at Venture. We do not argue about women in leadership and we do not argue about tithing. Like if you, the only people that argue with me about those two things are people that have a church background that came from another religious expression and they just want to fight. I'm not gonna give in, so we just don't argue about them to begin with. You come to venture, you understand, Die Beals is gonna preach sometimes. You come to venture, there is a pillar on a wall that says generosity. You just accept it. So I give to a nonprofit. In my humble opinion, you are giving with a sense of control. That is not worship. That is not saying I trust you with my finances. You are literally giving your money and it is not seen as an act of worship. And I want my giving in the eyes of Jesus to be worship. Just as I want my singing and my dancing and my shouting to be worship. I don't sing, dance, and shout because it makes me feel good. I don't give because it makes me feel good. I give because since the dawn of time, the only thing that mattered was loving the Lord with all your heart. And if I do that through expressive emotions and that's the way he receives it, I'm going to do it. Because you love the Lord your God with all your soul and if I have to demonstrate that I trust him, then I'll do it as an act of obedience. By the way, you can be a big giver. You can be a woo girl. But if you don't do the third thing, you're still absent complete worship. And absent any of these elements of worship is inadequate worship. So it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. And then it says, love the Lord your God with all your strength. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your strength and with all your might? It means our obedience is an act of worship. Our faithfulness is an act of worship. The way we live and the way we act 
is a way of worship. We hate the word faithful because it's hard. But when you and I are faithful, we're worshiping. And I would bring this all the way down, just as I think loving the Lord your God with all your heart is expressive worship. Loving the Lord your God with all your soul is in our giving. I think loving the Lord with all of your might and all of your strength is in your serving. When you serve, it is an act of worship. Every single Sunday, our staff and all of our volunteers, we meet out there at 7.30 and we pray together for the day. And whoever is uh, hosting that day reminds everyone that everything we're doing today is an act of worship unto Jesus. If we greet, act of worship. Holding a baby in the nursery, an act of worship. If we're playing the piano, it is an act of worship. If we're ushering, it is an act of worship. Whatever we do is our willing, humble act of worship unto Jesus. And we do it with obedience. We do it because he wants us to serve. We serve because we were served. We serve as an act of selflessness. We serve honestly because we'd rather be doing something else. I mean, if you work in our kids ministry, I know what happens every Saturday. Something miserable. Your kids aren't feeling well. They don't go to bed when they're supposed to. And every single Saturday, come on, get real. You grab your phone and you think, should I text Kaylee and tell her I can't come tomorrow? Every Saturday night that happens. Be real. Because serving is hard. Because we'd rather be doing something else. But then you come and it is your act of worship unto Jesus. If you're a youth leader, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. Catch this, if you're a youth leader in this church, every youth leader that has ever existed in the history of time has experienced this. Wednesday, the day of your youth service is your worst day of the week. Your boss is a jerk. Your girlfriend is a jerk. Your friends are jerks. You don't feel well. Your parents are mean. Everything goes wrong on Wednesday. And you grab your phone. I got to tell Johnny I can't make it tonight. There is a battle for your worship. If all the enemy needs to do to get you to not hold a baby in the nursery, if all the enemy needs to do to get you to not stand outside and greet on a Sunday is give you a bad day the day before, you have a limited perspective of what is really going on. Because just as there was a battle for your soul, there is a battle for your worship and the enemy is relentless, tenacious. I, that growth group that I lead on Sunday nights, five o'clock, we got it tonight. If you're part of my growth group, don't skip it. <laughs> Friday rolls around and I'm tired. I gotta preach three times on Sunday. I gotta go 
I'm standing in the lobby, I'm talking to people. I also got to lead 101 today. Man, I got a lot going on and it starts Friday. I think I should email the guys and tell them I can't do it this week. Happens every single week. Every, this is like me, like showing you my guts. I don't want to do it. There's so many things I would rather be doing at five o'clock on a Sunday night. And I always have this battle where I'm just about ready to type an email that tells them we're postponing or rescheduling. And I have really good reasons why. And every time right before I'm gonna hit send, I think, put on your big boy pants, Beals. And I step back and I don't send it. And then all day Saturday, I wanna resend it again. And then I got here this morning and I remember after our prayer meeting, I thought, should I send the email canceling tonight? They'd understand, I got a lot going on. Because we don't necessarily want to serve. That's why it's an act of worship. But I'll tell you this, every time I've not wanted to do it, I show up and I hang out with the guys. First off, because I struggled with being there all week long, I can't figure out why any of them come. So there's the fact that there's dudes there, I'm shocked. And then we start having this deep conversation about faith and Jesus and none of us want to leave. And afterwards I think, that was the best thing I did all week. Every single time. There's a reason when you fight through and end up still being a youth leader that night is the best youth service of the year. There's a reason that when you fight through and still hold that baby in the nursery, you connect with this new family and you just feel like you would never believe what happened this week. Why? The craziest thing happens when you and I love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, because we don't want to by our nature do any of them. We want to be standing there with our arms folded, just nodding during worship. We want to have some rational theological argument that gives us an excuse to not give. And we want everyone else to understand how busy we are. That's why we can't serve. This is the way we are hardwired because there is a war in the heavenlies over your worship. And when you and I give ourselves completely into worship, when we shout and we dance and we sing, have you realized what happens during that worship service? You end up thinking, wow, worship was good today. I just felt the presence of God today. It's like you got blessed, crazy. Pastor Brandon stands up, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, says, you've paid thousands of dollars to go to vacation in Maui, you should give. And you're like, yeah, fine. 25,000 and you are like, come on. And it's like, we're blessed because we did it. And then you show up, you host your growth group. You didn't want to. 
Out of your 10 growth groups, you know at least five you want to not host. But you do it anyways, and then afterwards, you're just like, honey, we need to have more people over at our house. This was amazing. Because when we worship, it fills us. It blesses us. It touches us. It is the craziest part about this. We are doing it for Jesus. It is our act of worship, complete worship to Jesus. But in the end, when we do it, he just blesses our hearts, our minds, and our might. Mission, community, generosity. Generosity is worship. Unapologetically venture is generous. We wanna go crazy in that 17 minutes while we sing on Wednesday night once a month where we have an hour of worship. I want people to see videos and think, what the crud is going on adventure? And then I want us to be the church that has people that give so generously. You know, we didn't post about this, but we had the extra resources. So we gave $5,000 to the Everett School District to buy backpacks and school supplies. We didn't advertise it, but we had the resources, so we just did it. We, this year, because you fill out a connection card and you get, we're gonna give over $100,000 to Convoy of Hope this year. We, we get to do that because you're generous. And did you know that it takes 170 volunteers to do our three services every Sunday? 170. There's 170 people. They don't get to come in and participate in the worship service. Their act of worship is watching your children right now so that you get to come enjoy this service and not have to worry about your kids till your number pops up. <laughs> it's their act of worship. And when we do this, all of it, our worship is complete and we live out our value of generosity that's on that pillar. So here's how we're gonna close. I want everybody to grab the card that one of our ushers hopefully gave you Unapologetically, I'm asking you to make a commitment in your heart to be faithful in giving this year as an act of worship. So how we're gonna close the service is I'm gonna pray, conclude the service, and then I'm gonna invite everyone to leave your seat and on your way out, drop this card at the altar. And, and the way that you do it is this, is you just, you write it, you make that commitment, grab your phone, take a picture of it. So that way you can be reminded, it will at least pop up in your memory stuff. And then when you drop it, it's just an act of worship. That's how I want us to close the service. I want us to close the service by worshiping Jesus through our giving showing him that we trust him. We, we trust him even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't understand. And then next week, when that service starts and the first note of that 
Is that a note or a chord or whatever gets played? I want to see you burst. I want to see you burst. So everybody stand up on your feet. Hold this in your hand. Again, I'm going to pray when I say amen. I'll close the service. You're free to go, but on your way as an act of worship, make a commitment to Jesus that you're going to be generous, that you're going to give. Lord Jesus, right now, I thank you for your word that challenges us. And Lord, I thank you that in the battle for our soul, you, you won and we're here today. And now Lord, as we constantly are in this battle for our worship, Lord, we choose to worship you. We choose to worship you with our singing and shouting and dancing. And we choose to worship you through our giving. And we choose to worship you by the way that we serve. And today I ask that you would challenge each one of us to live lives of radical generosity in the way that we worship. Lord, I pray for every family that makes this commitment to give. And I ask that you would bless them for their faithfulness in giving. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you for coming to Venture Church. Don't forget, next week we have a special guest and we have the night service. But as you're leaving, join me in laying your offering at the altar.